You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This episode contains discussions of child abuse and child pornography and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Episode four. It's the end. Or is it? <laughs> In the summer of 2019, a few months before tying up the last of suits related to Rebecca, Sprecher was back in a courtroom. This time, he was in the hot seat. A sting operation by Homeland Security found over 100 videos and images containing child pornography in Sprecher's possession. One was a 45-minute video of a preteen girl thought to be as young as 10 involved in sexual exploits with an adult. Sprecher shared some of these files with an undercover agent. When questioned by an NYPD detective, Sprecher admitted to downloading child pornography. A hard drive recovered from Sprecher's home contained 130 videos and over 5,000 thumbnails of children as young as infancy suffering abuse. In the months that followed, Sprecher and his public defender went through the court system. By March 2020, the pandemic hit and engulfed the world and much of the theater industry that Sprecher fought so hard to be a part of. By October, he agreed to a plea deal. Sprecher pleaded guilty to one count of possession of child pornography. He was sentenced to five years probation and a $5,000 fine. In the summer, his Morningside Park brownstone sold for a reported $3 million. His former colleagues, Kevin Stites, Sierra Bogus, Julian Schlossberg, and Peter Baudio, have varying opinions of this latest turn for Sprecher. Uh, a mutual friend of yours and mine, Blake, actually told me from minute one of involvement with Rebecca to be careful. And I didn't believe this person. Uh, that, that he was perhaps shady and don't trust. And, you know, again, when somebody dangles a bright, shiny as, uh, object of a $14 million Broadway show in front of you, it's amazing how much the bright, shiny object will obliterate your, you know, your, your eyes and your sense of, of really what's going on. I never felt like he was just 
a schmuck or just innocent in this at all. So that what I can say is that with certainty, I don't, I, I never thought of him as just like this go alonger or that other people were pulling the strings. He was very much, he was very involved. Somehow, when I heard the unfortunate news about the child pornography, I sort of, my eyes just opened up all again. And I took a different look at things. Then when it comes to be that he's arrested for child pornography, it was like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> like Just when you thought that it couldn't get any more evil, it turns to that's what also has been going on. Like, it's pretty dark. That's really dark. And that's, to me, that's someone who has less than zero integrity. We all make mistakes. And if you decided that someone did something that's just awful and you never want to have anything to do with them, that's your decision. I made my decision that, yes, what was done was sad and bad, but I, don't, I can't take away all the good. He was just a, a voyeur. Yes, certainly a voyeur that we're not certainly going to say, oh, great, but not what they originally accused him of. So he's, he, I know for a fact that he has gone into therapy very heavily and he's taking this very seriously. And he has a lot of great strengths as a person. And I hope he'll come out of it a much better person. The man I knew was a devoted family man. He adored his wife. He adored his kids. That is the Ben Sprecher I knew personally. He um, was always responsible towards his investors. He was smart. He was honest. He was very ambitious. He could be tough. He could be blunt. But so can a lot of Broadway producers. As for the other players in this saga, Louise Forlenza is still a practicing accountant, but she ended her theatrical career following Rebecca. When I spoke to her, she said she no longer communicated with Sprecher and didn't wish to comment for this podcast. Louise took a backseat to Sprecher's public face of the Rebecca team, but she was no less involved. She was the one who found the show in the first place, and she brought Houghton on. It was always such a wonder to me how someone with the training and expertise of an accountant could fall prey to this money hoax Houghton sold and from a guy with such a documented, dodgy background. I'm David Camp, a contributing editor at Vanity Fair magazine. When I met with her in her apartment on the Upper East Side, which is a lovely apartment, she struck me as an educated person who kind of dabbled in production, was more of the passive producer to Ben Sprecher's active producer. But at the same time, she has quite a track record of investing in shows so it does seem mind-boggling that there wasn't sufficient due diligence to see what Mark Houghton was all about and what Paul Abrams, the investor he was purportedly bringing in, what he was all about. It still, to this day, years later, confuses me how a CPA could be uh, kind of casual about that sort of thing. It all seemed pretty sketchy. It was like, Pa uh, papers that don't have letterheads and email addresses like Milton C at AOL.com. 
and like Milton C is a warning sign, but also AOL.com is kind of a warning sign. And then there's another one that was like pbranson687 at gmail.com. So these kind of rando, seemingly like auto-generated email addresses that don't seem like the email addresses of people you would want to do business with. So that alone was problematic to me. And then when you have someone like Mark Houghton constantly saying, yeah, yeah, the funding's gonna be coming in. Oh, you know what, my guy, he's sick. Oh, you know what, really sad, he died of malaria. I mean, you, you, if you get strung along by, like that, I don't mean to belittle Ben Specker and Luis Forlenza, but I would just think red flags abound at that point. After the verdict was reached in the $10.6 million lawsuit against him, Mark Thibodeau was found not liable on the count of defamation, but was liable for breach of contract and interference with business relations. Everyone eventually settled out of court. Thibodeau continues to work as a press agent on Broadway. He still represents Cirque du Soleil and Broadway's longest-running musical, The Phantom of the Opera. In fact, there's a very unsubstantiated rumor running around theater circles that Andrew Lloyd Webber himself, scared that Rebecca could in fact compete with his very own phantom, put Thibodeau up to the whole email thing in the first place. It's pretty preposterous to think that Andrew Lloyd Webber, one of the most successful and richest theater makers to ever live, would even care to stoop so low. But. It is fun imagining Andrew Lloyd Webber as some evil Wizard of Oz mastermind of another show's takedown. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! When contacted about this podcast, Thibodeau told me, I've really managed to close that chapter of my life this past year and don't feel like going back there. Mark Houghton was sentenced to 11 years in prison for defrauding several people and companies out of more than $9 million. He was later sentenced to an additional three years for his dealings with Rebecca. It was at the low-security Fort Dix Correctional Facility in New Jersey where I found Mark Cotton. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from... Mimi. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up to decline the call or to accept. Dial 5 now. If you wish to block any... Hey, Mark. How are you? Hey, Blake, how are you? Good to hear you. Yeah, good to talk to you. Good to you get used to the, uh, the prison phone system. I am getting used to the prison phone system. I'm realizing that. I had that, been speaking uh, to Houghton in prison for nearly six months, all through emails and 15-minute phone calls. I was learning how fickle the prison phone system could be. Sometimes it would just suddenly hang up if I tried to put my earbuds in mid-call. Mid-sentence, you'd get a jarring alert that the phone was about to hang up at exactly 15 minutes of call time. I can see how people can get wildly frustrated trying to communicate with their loved ones in prison. Houghton was laid back, funny and charming, with a thick Long Island accent that I'm pretty familiar with. Well, we weren't married to nine to five guys, but the first time I realized how different was when Mickey had a hostess party. Where are you from? Lawrence. Oh, yeah, Lawrence. I'm in the island. That's nice. I'm from Miami. You ever been there? No. It's okay, but it's like yep. you died. Just like Lorraine Bracco and Goodfellas, I, too, am from the five towns in Long Island. I went to Lawrence High School. Didn't marry a mob guy turned FBI informant. Just a nice Canadian fellow. But I digress. 
I could see how someone would get completely caught up in what Mark Houghton was selling. Houghton had met Sprecher through Louise Forlenza, who met him through a man named Jeffrey Troncone. When I spoke to Troncone, who possessed a similar meaty accent and friendly tone, he explained the affair as, quote, the most unfortunate occurrence you could ever imagine happening. I'm assuming he felt this way due to his own past run-ins with the law being brought to light as a consequence of this story. He said he didn't know Louise that well, but he knew Mark from growing up and claimed he was a good guy. So as I mentioned, Houghton wasn't the only one with a rap sheet involved in this story. Troncone, who wasn't an investor but connected the team with several men who ultimately did invest, pleaded guilty to mail fraud in the 90s. He was also named in a later case against two loan sharks where he was quoted as saying, they are really not nice people, if you understand what I mean. You have to be very careful because these are very bad people, very connected people. Another investor, Bruce Bendel, pleaded guilty to tax fraud. And yet another, Ira Gaines, a proud Sheriff Arpaio supporter, was investigated and later fined by the SEC for fraud and recently pled guilty to his role in a money laundering scheme. Whew, there are enough bad actors here for a summer stock version of Guys and Dolls. Throughout my chats with Houghton over the prison phone system, he would tell me all about his allegations against Sprecher. Basically, reasons why he was innocent and Sprecher wasn't. Houghton's first claim was that when he first met Sprecher, Pictures of kids fell out of his briefcase. That's a little too on the nose for me, and there's no way to prove that that's actually the truth. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I then was flooded with a bunch of emails from Houghton using a private email outside of the prison's core links system. CoreLinks is the monitored email system many prisoners use to send emails while behind bars. Under this Yahoo address, I got everything from recordings and transcripts of Houghton's phone conversations with Sprecher. When asked why he possessed such rigorous monitoring, he said that most brokerage firms have an internal system that records telephone calls. This is, in fact, true. Most of Houghton's allegations boil down to his claims that Sprecher never had even close to the amount of money he said he had. He claims that through a series of unsigned contracts, shell companies, and even ghost investors of their own, 
Both Forlenza and Sprecher lied to their real investors and to the Schuberts, that Houghton was just the fall guy in a larger scheme. I've combed through these documents. None of that can be substantiated here. Here's what I can tell you. On September 12th, days after the bombshell article in the Times runs proving that Sprecher's big-time $4.5 million investor doesn't actually exist, President of the Schubert Organization, Bob Wankel, sends an email to Sprecher reading, So, what's happening? Sprecher replies, The Abrams 2 million has been replaced and is now in contract with a target date of Monday to fund. The 2.5 meets with us tomorrow. An additional 1.2 beyond the 4.5 amount has been committed and will be funded by Tuesday. So basically, I've got more than enough money to cover the money we lost. One of Houghton's claims is that Sprecher and Forlenza had a number of bridge loans and several shell companies that made up a sizable chunk of their investing. Here's Philip Boroff of Bloomberg News and Broadway Journal to tell us what we know for sure. Rebecca Broadway, the producing entity, according to court papers, had collected $5.7 million dollars. It had that money on hand that was less than half the $12 million it needed to put the show on Broadway. Ben Sprecher and Louise Forlenza testified that they had commitments for close to $11 million. Had Larry Runsdorf, the Florida drug magnate, came through with the two and a quarter million that he pledged, Sprecher and Forlenza, they would have been able to produce a show on Broadway. And so a big question is, is that accurate? I know that Thibodeau's attorneys had said that it was a pipe dream, that they could have done it, even in the best of circumstances. As someone who covered the trial, would this show have made it to the finish line? Had Mark Thibodeau not sent three anonymous emails to this prospective big investor? I don't really know. I think it requires a little bit more forensic analysis that I did not do. The uh, lawyers for both sides made a, a pretty good case in both ways, you know, that uh, they, they seem to have come somewhat close to raising the minimum $12 million, at least in terms of commitments, but they only had, they had less than half the money in hand. So you could argue it both ways. By September 15, three days after that exchange with Bob Wankel of the Schuberts, an additional million dollars attributed to companies owned by Sprecher and Forlenza are listed as giving additional funds to the show. This includes a $250,000 investment from a company identified as Rebecca Broadway Broad Street Opus Incorporated. I can find no proof that an incorporated company with this name exists or ever existed. Much of what Houghton showed me was prepared in the SEC investigation into what happened with the show. The SEC later decided not to pursue any actions against Brecker and the producers of the show. The only real sense of impropriety on behalf of Sprecher and Forlenza that is glaring from the material that Houghton gave me is that they even hired him knowing he had no clue what he was doing in the rules of raising funds for the theater and set him loose to get like 30% of their financing. 
I would hate to have been an investor in this show knowing that all of this hinged on Mark Houghton coming through. Houghton was not just some consultant. The show depended on him. It was proven in the New York Times that the investors Houghton brought in, the investors worth $4.5 million, the investors who Sprecher never spoke to, the investors with shady email addresses and one-named representatives, investor who suddenly died of malaria, investors who refused to give even one penny after signing legal contracts after those investors were proven to be fake. Even after all that, Sprecher still relied on Houghton to get him money that without, the show could not go on. It sounds as though Sprecher only became convinced that Paul Abrams never existed the day that Mark Houghton was arrested in October 2012. He, ben Sprecher never really answered, at least in the trial, why he continued to work with Mark Houghton after the elements of his story started to fall apart. All I can say is that it's pretty clear that Ben Sprecher exercised poor judgment in continuing to work with Mark Houghton after his story started to fall apart. I tried talking to Houghton on the record many, many times for this podcast. We had times to meet up. I was even going to meet with one of his associates, a woman named Dee. Again, no last name. But none of that ever happened. Knowing what I knew about him, it didn't shock me. In June 2020, after talking to him for a few months, Houghton suddenly went silent. I thought perhaps the trail just went cold, that he was bored of speaking to me knowing he'd never actually go on the record. What had really happened was that he ended up in confinement due to a COVID outbreak at Fort Dix. In March of 2021, Sprecher's case came to an end. He avoided serving time. After years embroiled in the drama that came from many court cases, lawsuits, lawyers, appeals, handcuffs, perp walks, you would think Sprecher would never want to see another lawyer for as long as he lived. But in December 2020, he filed another lawsuit, this time against his longtime business partner and friend, William Miller. Miller was the money man behind Sprecher's theaters. They'd been friends for over 35 years. Miller testified on Sprecher's behalf in the Rebecca case. In this most recent suit, Sprecher is once again represented by the same firm that represented him against Thibodeau. In this most recent lawsuit, Sprecher claims that Miller diverted over a million dollars in monies meant for their joint business venture in an agreement dating back to 1983. As of this airing, August 2021, this lawsuit is still pending. Sprecher was contacted many times for this podcast and has no comment. Besides his most recent lawsuit with Miller, Sprecher's laid pretty low. At his sentencing, the judge made reference to Sprecher's hardship with launching Rebecca as to his reasoning for giving him a light sentence, saying he obviously went through a very traumatic professional experience that led to a spiral of depression and compulsive self-destructive behavior. Sprecher's public defender pleaded with the court to keep him out of prison, citing, the conditions of confinement during the pandemic are incredibly horrific and brutal. There is no ability for people incarcerated to follow any of the strictures of the CDC. Ironically, this is what kept 
Houghton out of prison, too. Hey, hey. How's it going there, Blake? Mark Houghton. I haven't talked to you in ages. I'm sorry. It took me so long to get back there. I've been busy, needless to say. Anyway, I want to follow up with you. When you have a chance, give me a call. I'll be around all weekend. Bye. After the outbreak of COVID-19 in Fort Dix, Houghton was set free, left to serve the remainder of his sentence on probation. He now works at a Volkswagen dealership. I tried one last time to get Houghton to talk to me, on the record, to explain what in the hell happened here. Mark speaking. Hey, is this Mark Houghton? Yep. Hey, it's Blake, Ross. Hey, Blake, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing awesome. You know, I know... It's hard for you to talk or if you even want to talk, but um, I figured I'd give one last shot because there's, um, I'm wrapping up and I want to talk to you and there's, I don't know if we can or not, but I just figured I'd give uh, one last shot. Well, it's certainly worth it to uh, at least, uh, you know, give it a try. So I could definitely uh, reach out to my uh, lady that I work with. Uh, to see if that would fly. You know, they've reduced a lot of restrictions on that stuff, so I think there might be, uh, you know, there might be a chance. The lady he's referring to, I'm assuming his probation officer or lawyer, he never really explains it, but there was one question I really wanted to try to get him to answer before I let him hang up. One question that I've asked him since the very first time we started talking in prison he'd always kind of dodged and danced around it every time I brought it up. You and I talked about this, that Paul Abrams thing, right? You know, the fake contracts. And I can't remember what you told me about that. That, uh, he obviously was a made-up character, right? Hold on one sec, just bear with me. Watch me. Thank you for calling Volkswagen... We bring you the care and commitment. I was kept on hold for 15 minutes. Finally, Houghton jumped back on, but only long enough to tell me that he'd call me back at the end of the day. I didn't hear back from him until a few days later, over text. It read, Good morning, Blake. As you know, I would love to share with you all the documents, recordings, and knowledge I have about Ben and Rebecca. Unfortunately, as you and I have discussed, I am directed to stay away from on- or off-the-record discussions with media or otherwise. In another year, might be another time to do it, but I truly wish you well. You are a very hardworking, diligent person who deserves lots of success, and I'm sure Ben's latest antics with his arrests and his legal problems will give you plenty of opportunity to detail what kind of person Ben is. All the best, Mark. Well, for now, he's selling cars. It's a long way from the boats and mansions he was used to, but it seems like an honest gig. For now. As for Rebecca, it remains a hit. Sung in Korean, German, Hungarian, Romanian, Serbian, Japanese, just not in English, and not in the U.S. Whether that ever happens here is yet to be known. But the producers of that show will have one hell of a backstory to tell if it ever does. 
It's the greatest scandal in Broadway history. Burnt is a production of Broadway Podcast Network and me, Blake Ross. Reported and written by Blake Ross. Edited by Alan Seals. Supervising producers are Brittany Bigelow and Dory Berenstein. Special thanks to Philip Baroff. For sources and more information on the Rebecca scandal, visit bpn.fm slash BERT. The views and opinions expressed by the people appearing in the podcast are their own, and their appearance in the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Broadway Podcast Network and its officers, directors, owners, employees, and agents. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.